seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor, and I'm your host for today's program. Friends, we have been doing an incredible journey throughout Lent as we have been visiting the Holy Land. So many different dimensions, so many different ways that people have had experiences and how the Word has been brought to life. Today, we've got another incredible experience as we start to explore the geography of the Holy Land and why it's important to understand this geography and probably bring even more scripture to life because we'll get a little better picture of what people during that time were actually experiencing. I cannot think of a better guest to join us than an expert on the geography of the Holy Land, and that is Dr. Gail Struthers. Gail, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We probably should let people know that you are a professor at Oak Hills Christian College. Yes. And you have so many different expertises. Can you just share those with us so people understand a little more about your background? I have a doctorate in Old Testament. And so at Oak Hills, uh, my job is to teach Bible to our students. And so I can't think of a better job in the world that I'd rather have. So I get to sit and study the Bible and then teach students. I love this. it's awesome. I love this. And you have a very specific interest in geography. Yes, yes. So uh, how that arose is um, I took a trip to Israel in the late 80s, one of the 10-day tours where you just go for, you know, 10 days. <laughs> and and you kind of get little highlights of different things in Israel. And so then I wanted to go back. And so I was going to school in California, and I had the opportunity to go on an archaeological dig. So uh, we were there for, I don't know, six weeks, something like that, at a place called Teldor on the Mediterranean Sea. And so it was so cool because we started at ground level, and we were down maybe three feet, and we're hitting Roman ruins, 2,000 years old. Oh, my gosh. It, it was amazing. And so while I was there, I visited this school that's now called the Jerusalem University College. And so I thought, I want to go to this school. And so I was able to, when I was working on my master's degree, go to the school for a school year. So I was there for 10 months. And, oh, my gosh. And that school was awesome because you would study. So we would learn about Galilee, and then we would take a three-day field trip, and we would wander around Galilee. We would read about things that happened in what's called the Negev, the southern part of Israel. And then we would take a three-day field trip and wander around. So we're in the land, and so we're always, we were always going out uh, and seeing what took place in these different places. Oh my goodness, I'm I'm getting a little jealous, but I know that's yeah. probably not the one that's like, no, don't get jealous, just go there, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. There you go. So this passion for you has actually happened for quite some time. This yes. just didn't this just didn't start like two months ago no, or something. No, 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 it's so. The opportunity to study at the Jerusalem University, I'm just sitting like, oh, my gosh, that's just amazing. Yes. So from that point, you got even more involved in learning about geography and archaeological digs, etc. Like, talk to talk to us a little bit about that piece of the journey. Yes. So um, I, I was on leave from Oak Hills uh, getting my master's and my doctorate. And so then when I came back, I went back into teaching, which, again, then I could bring in uh, the archaeology, more of the culture, the background, and how that helps us learn about the Bible better. Wow! So it was amazing. It's like a just—it's like the perfect match, right? Like yes. it just—it yes. all brings it together. Yes. So where do we start in helping people understand why it's important to understand this geography and how that ties a lot into Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But 
there's just there's so much here, Gail. So where do we start? Um, I would suggest that we start in actually thinking it's important because that's very helpful. Do you really need to know geography in order to better understand your Bible? Can't you just read it and God will tell you, the Holy Spirit will tell you what it means. Uh, yes, I believe that that is true, but I believe that we can get so much more out of it if we have a better understanding of what's called historical geography. So what happened historically in biblical times at these different locations? Um, I think it's very important, and the reason is because it helps us to get to know the Bible better and God better. Uh, one of the things about Israel, it's a very, very tiny country. So it's the size of about New Jersey, Rhode Island. You know, those are those teeny little states. You can't even write the name of the state in the little square because they're so small. (laughs) So why does God pick this tiny little chunk of territory for his people? I mean, he has, you know, the whole world at that point. So wouldn't you think he would pick a bigger location? More space is good, isn't it? But he has a plan. It is very small, yes, but it is very strategic. Okay, it is at the international crossroads, so north-south, east-west. You have people going through there all the time. And God intended for Israel to be a light to the nations, you know, in Isaiah. And so think of the impact that they could have had if they were sold out to him, as you have people going from Egypt to Mesopotamia, from Mesopotamia down to Egypt. They're coming across a desert, going across the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, it would have been incredible. It's just like for the moment, you're there, there, right? Like my brain was actually like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm here for just a moment. I just, I love this. Yes, yes, So God picks this strategic location. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when when God picks the strategic location and we start to read about it, what more do we need to know, like in terms of how he's actually not just for then, but even for now, it feels important. Well, see, as I read the Bible, um, I want to understand what it meant to the people during the time it was taking place. Okay, because uh, there's a lot of things that are going through their head that we don't even know because we're not part of that culture, that historical area. And so I want to, as much as possible, do like an adventure and odyssey where they go back in time, <laughs> okay, um, and uh, figure out what am I missing because I don't understand the history, the culture. Um, for example, when we talk about Moses and the wilderness wanderings, okay, so they wandered in the wilderness. What's a wilderness? Um, so what would the wilderness look like? Does the wilderness look like the boundary waters? You know, it's nice and green. That's what I thought. I thought the wilderness when I first went uh, was like the boundary waters because in my mind, that's wilderness. You have water, you have trees, not a bad place in my mind. But you can go down and visit the area of Kadesh Barnea and it is completely different. It is barren. It is dry. There's not really a whole lot of water down there. They get watered by rain. Uh, There aren't all these green trees growing. So why does God lead them in the wilderness area? He feeds them manna, right? But then they need to trust that he is going to provide for them because there's not a lake there that they can go to and get water. There are not rivers, streams running through there. Um, It is all dependent on God. Yeah. Amen. And, And so I see, you know, as we 
kind of transport ourselves back into these times and better understand what would they have been seeing and thinking as they're experiencing these events, then we bring it to our times today. Because my mind, God's the same. Okay, he's the same. How he works looks different because the world looks different. But when we drill down into the principles, who he is, it's the same. Yeah. I love this example of Moses in the wilderness because I, I, like you, had that same, when I think of wilderness, maybe not the boundary waters exactly, Uh but Mm -hmm. definitely sort of that. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is interesting. But when you give that experience, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it takes on whole new meaning. Mm -hmm. Trust in God, surrender Mm -hmm. to God, God Mm -hmm. will provide. Mm -hmm. Completely different context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is why Mm -hmm. it's important to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are some other examples? I mean, I I make up all kinds of things in my mind about (laughs) the Holy Land. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I do have some other examples. Uh, For example, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. And so they're on the uh, eastern side of the Jordan River. They has, have to cross the Jordan River. Uh, the Jordan River at that place has steep banks, so it wouldn't be an easy crossing. And we're also told that it's in the springtime. Now, in the land of Israel, they have dry seasons and rainy seasons. And so the rainy season is starts in like September, October, and goes till somewhere around April ballpark. Okay, so when they're there, it is at the end of the rainy season. So you have all that water that is flowing down the Jordan and it's overflowing its banks. Dangerous to cross. You have, you know, little kids that have to go across, you know, sick, elderly people, etc. And so how do you get from this side of the Jordan? It's not very far. Uh, it's, it's really not very far. I don't know how far, but, you know, you can see across. It will only take a few minutes to cross, really. Um, how do you get from there to there? Well, it tells us in Joshua 3.16 that the Jordan stopped at the fords of Adam. Okay, well, who really cares that the Jordan stopped at the fords of Adam? Where are the fords of Adam? We don't know, right? We have no clue where the fords of Adam are. So if you look at a map, uh, the fords of Adam are like 16 miles north of Jericho. Well, why would God stop the Jordan River 16 miles north? Why just, you know, stop it a few hundred yards away so that the people can go across? But what's interesting about the fords of Adam, they have two things going on. Number one, at that place, there are very steep banks. Number two, the land of Israel is on the Great Rift Valley. So the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, there were the, the tectonic plates, you know, that make up the Earth's crust. Uh, there's a place where those plates come together. So what do you have where those plates come together? Earthquakes. Earthquakes. So uh, in the area of Adam, they have documented where sometimes just uh, part of the hill will slide down into the Jordan River and it'll stop it up. Uh, Sometimes they have earthquakes. In 1927, they had an earthquake at the Fords of Adam and it dammed the Jordan River for 21 hours. So I would argue why the Fords of Adam? Because God did something. Okay, whether it was an earthquake or he brought down the side of the hill there to dam the river up 16 miles north of where they actually crossed. Wow. And so he's using natural um, geographical features to accomplish his will. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and if we don't understand this, it's like, 
we miss a whole context yes. about something. Yes. Like, this is why it's important. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Like, yes. you just, like, I never even thought about this. And quite frankly, probably when I read that passage of scripture, didn't have enough even curiosity about yes. it to dig a little deeper. Yes. Yes. That was something that just as you're coming in today, how did you get so intrigued about this? Was it just sort of you had this natural curiosity? Um, I've always loved the Bible. Uh, even before I was a Christian, I don't know. There was just something about it. Well, it intrigued me. I didn't like read it a lot or understand it a lot, but there was something about that book that was special. And once I became a Christian, so the year after high school, I became a Christian. And then I thought, well, um, people said, oh, you should go to Oak Hills and learn more about the Bible. So I went to Oak Hills and, you know, we just focused. We took a lot of Bible classes and I loved it. I mean, it was just so cool. And so that was the beginning, if you want to say it, my love affair uh, with the Bible. Because uh, yeah. it's, I don't know, I, I just was very excited to just sit and study. I could study it for hours. And, and then happy. you also had the passion from the geography and the archaeology yes. which yes. started coming together. Yes. Oh, yes, my yes, gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Gail, we've got so much more to talk about. We're going to take a brief pause. I know you have more to share with us, more about geography, the archaeology, the Bible. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. <laughs> Friends, we're going to take a brief pause. We are talking with Dr. Gail Struthers. We're talking all about geography and the importance of understanding it and how it even increases the depth of understanding in the Bible. We're going to take a brief pause. This is Deb McGregor. Live joy, share joy. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We'd love to hear feedback on the show. Have you heard a guest who inspired you or drew you deeper into relationship with the Lord? Was there a topic that really resonated with you? Do you have a show idea around joy? We would love to hear from you. We want to build a community of joy. Please email Deb at lifefulofjoy.com and put feedback in the subject line. Realtors Noemi and Harry Aylesworth are happy to share they are now affiliated with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice, serving all of your real estate needs in Bemidji, Bagley, Black Duck, Cass Lake, and surrounding communities. They are dedicated to finding you the home you deserve. Whether you're selling or buying property, they will serve you with honesty and integrity. You can expect a better real estate experience. Life takes you many places. Let Team Aylesworth, Noemi and Harry of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice take you home. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. Can you imagine getting a text right to your phone that is all about joy? Every Friday, I send out a joy note. This is a message of encouragement, contemplation, insight, and more. If you want to receive a joy note right to your phone, text the word joy to 218-248-6556. I look forward to sharing more joy with you on a weekly basis. Let's build a community of joy. This is Deb McGregor. We are speaking with Dr. Gail Struthers, and we are talking all about geography, archaeology, and how this all relates to scripture and the Holy Land and why it's even important for us to have this conversation. Gail, one of the things I've always been curious about is oftentimes in the Bible, we'll read about, you know, somebody went to somebody's house and they washed the feet mm -hmm, or different mm -hmm. things. Can you fill in the gap a little bit around why does geography matter? Mm -hmm. or how does that actually play uh -huh, into this? Uh -huh. Um, sure. So uh, a lot of the area of Israel, there's a lot of rocks, okay, especially you get around Jerusalem in the hill country. They don't have a lot of nice, fertile, huge, you know, 50 acre fields, whatever, where they have dirt. Um, it's the main area is mostly rocks. 
And so it gets dusty and uh, dirty uh, as you're walking along. And so it was a job of the lowest servant, and they say to wash the feet of the guests. So it's interesting is at the Last Supper that Jesus has with his disciples, who's the one that washes the feet? Jesus washes the feet of the mm. disciples. And, um, you know, again, I, I think all these things, as we understand the customs and the culture better, Jesus was the leader. He is washing the feet of his disciples doing what the low servant was supposed to do. Hmm. So just modeling for us what we as Christians should be like and how we should live our lives. Yeah. Amen. I love this. Thanks for shedding a little light on that because I know that's something I've often thought about because in modern day, Uh right, Uh I don't think we usually go to someone's house and then we wash someone's feet no. right <laughs> no, no, and and no. i don't know about you i don't have a servant at no. my house <laughs> no, either no, so no. there that's sort of that piece of yep. it too and yet when we understand back in the time mm-hmm. and then i love this connection you just made to the last supper like that is just profound it's so awesome <laughs> um so where else do we need to journey to in the holy land um okay so other things i think that are very interesting in connection with geography i think it helps us to understand better how god is at work um, well, obviously, I love the Old Testament, and I, obviously, I like the love the New Testament too. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, um, a lot of people don't know about the Old Testament, so I figure if it's my chance to share about it, then I'm going to take advantage. So, Deborah, she's a judge, right? Um, so she calls Barak, uh, the general, and says, "Barak, you need to go fight Sisera, the Canaanites who are up there in your area that are kind of oppressing you." And uh, he says, well, I'm not going to go unless you go. And so one of the things I think um, culturally is the guy being a wimp, you know, because he needs a woman to back him up. Uh, But what was Deborah? She's a judge. She's a prophet. Okay, so you would bring a prophet to battle with you in those times. Uh, Elijah went in battle with one of the kings and you would in other nations. They talked about having a prophet that would come because who's in charge of the world? It isn't people. Today, we think we're in charge of the world. But in those days, they knew there was something beyond themselves. So they are all worshiping their deities. And so prophets are the spokesperson for the deities. So you want to know, you're in battle. What does the deity say we should or shouldn't do? So Barak wants Deborah to go with. And I'm going to argue that was a smart plan because she's a prophet, right? And hearing from God. And so she says, fine, I'll go with you. So... Um, Barak is on this mountain up in Galilee. It's called Mount Tabor. It looks like if you took a, put mud in a soup bowl, flipped it upside down. Okay, nice rounded hill. So he's on the mountain. Sisera is in the Jezreel Valley below, nice flat valley. He has 900 iron chariots. So God tells Deborah to have Barak go down the mountain and fight. Well, see, that's a stupid thing to do because chariots are no good on a mountain. But he's supposed to go down on the plane to fight against Sisera, who has like the tanks, you know, and bad battle strategy. Okay. But God, does he know what he's doing? Of course he does, right? And so what happens? They go down, they fight the battle, and who wins? Uh, The Israelites win. Now, in Judges chapter 5, it talks about the torrent of Kishon. 
Okay, well, what is that? You know, we just kind of gloss over that because it's like, okay, well, I have no clue what that means. But there is, when it rains, uh, they have like wadis, nahals, they're dry riverbeds, but then when it rains, they fill up with water. So the nahal kishon um, will fill up with water when it rains, um, but it cannot drain to the Mediterranean fast enough. And so what happens is it backs up. So it's argued that God sent rain when they're having their battle. And what happened then, as it drains to the west, to the Mediterranean Sea, it starts to back up because it can't drain fast enough. And what happens then in the Jezreel Valley? It turns to mud. Chariots are no good in mud. So they lose the advantage. Wow. So just how God uses just all sorts of different ways, you know, to accomplish his purpose. And we just have to be obedient Yes. You know, Brock needed to do what Deborah told him to do because that was from God, even though it didn't make sense at all. Yeah. But God took care of it. Yes. Like he always does. Exactly. Oh, my yes. gosh. I love yes, that. He I does. love that. Oh. Yes, yes, and yes. And I, of course, love that her name is Deborah, too. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have little, I have a little Bible study on that one. Oh, home. yeah. I love it. I love it. So where else could we? I mean, this is just fascinating. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, there's, uh, sure, another Old Testament one, and then I do have a few New Testament <laughs> ones. Okay. So there is a King Jeroboam. So King Solomon messes up. He marries many foreign women, which they would do that um, for strategic re- reasons, political alliances. So you would marry the daughter of the king of Egypt. Well, he did. That's the first one of the first things he did. And then that gives you a political alliance. So he marries all these women. But at the end of his life, in First Kings 11, it tells us they caused his heart to turn away from God. And so God says, okay, I'm going to split the kingdom. You're going to get one tribe because of your father, David. The rest I'm going to give to somebody else. So now you have a divided kingdom. A guy named Jeroboam, who actually worked for Solomon, uh, God chooses him to be the king of the northern kingdom. And God talks to him. He sends a prophet to him. And he says, look, uh, this is what I'll do. Uh, You follow me. I will make you an everlasting dynasty. It's just like the promise that God earlier gave to David and Samuel. And so that is before Jeroboam. And so what does Jeroboam do when he becomes king? He sets up two golden calves in Dan and Bethel. Now, we would have to look at a map to find out where Dan and Bethel are, but usually we don't do that, right? Because... That's not important to us. But if you look at a map, you will see Bethel is right on the southern border before you go into Judah. So remember, the kingdom now is split. You have northern Israel, southern Judah. And then Bethel, or Dan, sorry, is way, way, way in the north. Now, why does he set golden calves up? Um, Because he doesn't want them to go down to Jerusalem to worship God. Because he's afraid if they do, then they're all going to turn their allegiance to Judah. And he won't have his kingdom anymore. But what has now on the human side of things, that was a smart plan. Mm-hmm. Keep your people in your nation and you give them a place in the south and the north so they don't have to make that long journey down to Jerusalem. Um, but that's not God's plan. Okay, so from a human perspective, it makes sense for him to do that. But God said, No, I will. So even though it doesn't look like it seems like it's bad strategy. God told him to do that. He disobeyed, and 
his dynasty went. His son reigned for two years after him, and then he's done. So you just got to keep, God tells you to do something or gives you a promise. You got to do it. Yeah. I love the reminder about the obedience to the Lord because like without that, we have nothing. So I know you want to take us to the New Testament too. Sure. Uh, Okay. So uh, different things in the New Testament well, that I find interesting. Uh, I was just thinking of things maybe we wouldn't think about. Uh, Jesus often went to Jerusalem. So how long did it take him? You know, what did that look like for him to go back and forth to Jerusalem? So if you're in Jerusalem and you, he travels back to where he had his home base of operations, Capernaum, that would be on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, it's 90 miles. How long would it take him to go 90 miles? Well, they had to walk. Okay, they had to walk. And so uh, they say that if you were really trekking, you could go 20 miles. So it would take him four and a half days just to make a one-way journey. And you remember one time he goes through Samaria Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning of John. He talks to the woman at the well, and he's sitting there, you know, and they're taking a break because they're on their journey. Well, and it's interesting when you think about uh, two things. Number one, he goes through Samaria. And what do they think about Samaritans in New Testament times? Not much, right? Because the Samaritans come from when the kingdom fell, the northern kingdom, Israel fell, and the Assyrians would bring people from other countries into the kingdom, and then they would take the uh, leaders out. And so those people that were for other from other nations married with the Israelites that were left behind. And so they're not 100% Jewish, and they kind of, they have a mixed religion now. And so the Jews would go all the way around, so they didn't go through Samaria because it was unclean territory. But didn't matter to Jesus, okay? So he went smack dab. It's a lot shorter to go straight north through um, Samaria and spent time ministering to this woman who had questions and even told her that she that he is the Messiah, which mm-hmm. is something he didn't usually do. Yeah. So it, again, it's just cool, yeah. I think, as you uh, look at uh, some of these things and think about some of these things that are, you know, the Bible doesn't spell it out. Yeah. You know, we have to look beyond to other sources to figure out what it is that we're missing because we're not part of that world. Yeah, absolutely. Our time is going to be running out here, and I feel like there's so many other things we could talk about. Is there one more short one we could share with everyone? Um, well, uh, well, the feeding of the 5,000, um, that Jesus feeds 5,000 people on the Sea of Galilee, and I don't know. I, I just have always loved the Sea of Galilee. It's nice. It's green. There's a lake. And I really like that. And so much ministry happened around the Sea of Galilee with Jesus. And and it was set up for it. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, there's 5,000 people. And he's also teaching them, right? Now, how can you teach 5,000 people? People will look at this and they'll say, ah, this stuff didn't happen. There's no way he could have sat by the Sea of Galilee and talked and all these people would have heard, Right? Because that's a lot of people. I'll admit, I've thought that before. Yes, okay. So what's interesting, though, is there's a natural amphitheater in that area. And you can go there and you can look. There's a banana field there right now. And um, they've had people there, and it works perfectly. So you can stuff just this whole lot of people right there. Jesus would stand down, and he would speak. And because of the natural amphitheater, 
people would have been able to hear him. Oh, my gosh. That's just amazing. Right. Now, like, we need to go there and see it. Right? Like, yeah, you well, you've already, you've you already seen to it. Go there Deb needs it. to go yes. there and see it. There you go. You do. You do. You do. Oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> Gail, I know that you're planning on going back again. Can you give people information if they would want to learn more about going with you? Sure. Um, I go to Israel every um, two years, so, and I just came back uh, from one in January. So the next time I'll go will be December 24th through January 25th. Um, it's in between the fall and spring semester at Oak Hills, which is why we go then. And so it's open to students and community members. So if you uh, wanted to n- let me know, I can give you some information about what we've done in the past. Uh, you could email me, gailstruthers at oakhills.edu. So G-A-L-E-S-T-R-U-T-H-E-R-S at oakhills.edu. Or go to the Oak Hills website um, and you can click and I'm on the faculty. So fantastic. Yeah. This has been incredible. I feel like we could do an entirely, we can do another show. So will you promise to come back <laughs> okay, again? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, good, good. Yes. I'm so glad. I want to get that commitment before okay, we get sure. off the air. So um, thanks. This has been so enlightening. So I like, feel like so many dots have been connected, yes. even just cool. in this time. Cool. Thank you so much for coming uh, in today. Thank you very much for having me. It's yeah. been fun. Uh, it yes. has been fun. Yes. I yes, love yes. this. Woo, yes. I'm on fire now. <laughs> Friends, we want to thank you for tuning in. We want to thank Dr. Gail Struthers for coming in to talk to us more about the geography, Old Testament, New Testament, filling in those gaps for us. It's been amazing. We want to thank Dr. I was going to call you Dr. Philip Elke. We want to thank Philip Elke for engineering today's program. And we want to thank all of you for listening. And please go out, live, share, and lead with joy. This is Deb McGregor. Have a great day, friends. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.